0: Hey there, folks. This is Garrett with Command Z. What you're about to listen to is an interview between myself and longtime client and friend, Andrew. Uh, It's about my journey out of the standard dissatisfying life and my own process of emerging into an entirely new way of living. Believe it or not, it is possible to live a life you truly enjoy, one where you feel deeply satisfied and spend a majority of your time doing what you really love to do. As you listen to the interview, don't be surprised if our stories sound a lot like yours. You're about to discover that you can emerge into a new way of life, just as others have before you. This is about overcoming that first hurdle by just realizing that another life is available to you. Once you really get that, we'll give you the tools to make it a reality. So relax and enjoy the show.
1: How the hell did you begin? What happened to you as a child to want to lead a life like this? What, what made you interested in uh, life as an adventure? Wow, that's, that's a wonderful question, and
0: I hadn't expected on going back that far, but I suppose it makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, so we might as well. The first real experience that comes to mind was, uh, and one of my first memories actually, was running away from my parents. I'm not sure even what they were up to, but apparently they were not paying attention to what I was up to. Because at about age two or three, I walked away from them. And then I went down the road. Uh, This was in northern Minnesota, so it was a dirt road into a forest. I walked away from them down the road into the woods and uh, wandered for quite a while. And I remember exactly how it looked and felt to me. And I also remember having the thought Uh, that I was totally fine and that I was going to walk back to our house uh, down in Fridley, Minnesota, which would have been, you know, three or four hour drive. (laughs) Uh, So I was just heading out. It was summertime. It felt nice. I was probably getting eaten by mosquitoes and just wandering my way uh, into the woods. And then at that point, a garbage man who happened to be a one-eyed garbage man, he had sort of a, a mashed up face, but a really friendly guy, as I recall, (laughs) Uh, saw that I was walking down the road, and I'm sure it was a very odd sight uh, on that particular road in those particular woods. Uh, And he knew who I was. Uh, He knew my parents, of course. Uh, It was a really small community there uh, where the cabin was. So he picked me up uh, in the garbage truck, uh, in the front of the garbage truck, of course, not with the trash, uh, and then delivered me back to my parents. So I don't remember anything more about that experience Uh, But that seems to stand out when I think, how did this all get started? Mm -hmm. Uh, It was this sense of walking away from the safety of home and the safety of the parents and knowing somehow that I would be okay. Uh, But I had no thought at all about my own safety. It was just everything felt normal, everything felt okay. And so since then, uh, I've always had a, a bit of a sense of adventure, and I've never been afraid to walk away. From something that felt restricting, uh, from things that didn't agree with me or my nature. And so all of this is sort of an outgrowth of that same type of experience. Uh, that, that sense of childlike adventure never left me. I'm not sure that it ever leaves anyone. I just think it gets covered over with a lot of ideas about uh, needing to control external circumstances. Right. And, uh, and those types of things. So it really started there. Uh, and then another thing that comes to mind uh, were two really specific instances. One of which, were, uh, one of which was my mother telling me, uh, "I don't care what it is that you believe in or that you uh, believe about life. I just care that you take action towards whatever it is that you want." So it doesn't matter what your your ideas about life are, just make sure you do something about it rather than just espouse ideas and not do anything. Uh, and then another thing that was that my father once looked me in the eye after a long uh, day of work. He's an electrician, a very uh, skilled electrician and recognized as such, but also he spent a lot of his time and a lot of his life doing that work uh, alone. And that's tough on a person. It's tough on a person's body and tough on a person's mind. And he looked me in the eye and said, don't ever do the same thing uh, for your whole life. Don't ever do something like this for the rest of your life. He didn't say what to do, uh, which left a big gaping question in my mind. Uh, but he said that, and I remember that standing out. So the combination of those two uh, forces amounted to a different sort of life than the life I saw a lot of other people living uh, in school and then in college and then afterward. Uh, the push to to get a job, to build a career, uh, to buy a house, to live in a really specific way uh, just never really uh, took root in me at all. Mm-hmm. So that led up to a lot of different experiences and in school you know feeling like I didn't fit in. I'm sure those of you listening have had that experience too, where you, you felt like you didn't fit in exactly with what was going on in school. Uh, maybe you've had some jobs where you felt like you're doing it, but you don't really want to do it. And, and some part of you really knows that that's not uh, where you're meant to be or what you're meant to be doing. Uh, and in fact, that's the type of people I, I serve and the type of people I, I really enjoy. Uh, working with and the type of people who benefit the most from, from what I offer through Command Z is people who didn't fit in very well into those systems and then were forced to forge their own way. So we have artists, musicians, actors, um, even some magicians, you know, various, and by that I mean stage magicians, but various different, uh, mm-hmm. different type of, types of misfits who have figured out a way to make not fitting in work for them. Uh, And so that's essentially what Command Z can help you do, is you do exercises to get in touch with yourself, to break apart tensions that are also correlated with conflicts in your mind about your ideas about what you should be doing versus what it is you'd actually enjoy doing, what would be really satisfying to you, uh, which most often is some type of exploring or, or approaching life with curiosity rather than out of a state of fear. And then the tension that comes from that fear and then the loop of reaction that keeps you doing the things you don't want to do. So as far as I can remember in my life, I've never had a deep sense of needing to fit in, although there were times I desperately wanted to. But in the long run, I'm really grateful that that never occurred. I don't even know now what fitting in would really mean. To me, it's just an act and uh, looking for other people to validate the fact that uh, you know that that you'd be fitting in. I mean, it, does, it just doesn't make any sense. So from there, uh, you know, I, I explored different uh, subcultures and groups. Uh, one of which was punk rock. Another mm-hmm. of which was uh, environmentalism activism. Um, but let's go back to the punk rock. That was I, I finally was driving to the city many times, uh, driving to Minneapolis from where I was going to high school in uh, Princeton, Minnesota. And I would get, try to get away. Uh, and we started going uh, <clears throat> a good friend of mine and I started going to as many concerts as we could in the city. And at one point, we discovered uh, this magazine called Profane Existence, which was it said there was, uh, you know, all these crazy punk rock shows in the city. We didn't even know what that meant at the time. The closest thing to punk rock I knew of at that time was the band Nirvana, which was um, extreme and amazing for me to listen to at that age, at uh, 14, 15. But we discovered that there were these shows going on in people's basements with all these crazy, you know, spiked uh, hair, mohawk people um, just bashing into each other and dancing around and like, oh, let's check this out. And uh, you know, got it, Got really involved in that. But very quickly I saw that if I didn't wear the uniform, if I didn't live up to the expectations of those people, mm-hmm. then I was again rejected and treated poorly uh, by those folks just for my own appearance. I recall a time I wore uh, a t-shirt from the band Sunvolt, you know, which is sort of an alternative country band. I wore that t-shirt to a punk rock show. And at that show there were people snickering, talking about me, Uh, Other people saying, oh, what the hell is this guy doing here? You know, and just they they were being upset uh, by the fact that I was in their misfit scene, not fitting. (laughs) Uh, And and I had no clue that that was going to happen. I just wore that shirt and just thought nothing of it.
1: It Sounds very familiar to me. (laughs) Yeah, do you have
0: any experiences along those lines?
1: Oh, pretty much exactly what you described, wearing the the wrong t-shirt to the wrong of counterculture event.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there was no room for individuality, no room for for communication even it was just uh, superficial nonsense. And especially at that time, that's how I felt about it. But again I was I'm grateful now for that experience of not fitting in because I knew people who stayed with that their entire life. There used to be a t-shirt that I had that said something like Keepers of the faith. And it said Hardcore for Life, which meant that type of music, Hardcore. And it was put out by a band who had been doing that same thing for 20, uh, now it would be 30 or 40 years if they're still together. um, Just kind of repeating the same style of music, the same type of lyrics, the same complaining attitude about life. Which ultimately boils down to blaming external circumstances for your anger and for your problems or your so-called problems. And not actually doing anything uh, that would be deeply satisfying to you in your life. Unless, of course, complaining and, and being angry and repeating yourself for 20 or 30 years is deeply satisfying. In which case, go forth. But for me, that was, that was not satisfying at all. So that led up to sort of a, a deeper sense of resistance, which was manifested in uh, this environmental uh, type of activism. And that came about rather organically. Uh, simply because I like being in parks. Uh, I grew up camping a lot. I think that has something to do with uh, my approach to life. I spent a lot of time in the woods. I was happy to hike around by myself uh, or with my family uh, or with friends. And so when I was growing up also, it was fortunate on some level there were no cell phones yet. Uh, As a kid, there were very, very few computers and what there were were sort of tedious to work with Um, although I did work with you know some old DOS machines by the time I got into middle school and high school uh, and some old Macs and things but it wasn't the dominant force that it is in my life and in most people's lives now Um, it's the only equivalent of social networking that there was were these bulletin boards where you'd have to sit and wait for your computer to dial in and then you'd make a (laughs) post and wait for the posts to, to appear which it may or may not and then you'd Check back in a week and see if anyone responded. You know, yeah. Um, but the beauty of that was spending a lot more time outside and a lot more organic type of play. Um, although I did have video games uh, in my life, which I, I do attribute positive uh, benefits from. Now I, I, I would be careful to advise anyone to follow that as a path. But looking mm-hmm. back, I think they had some some positive results. I was able to keep a sense of adventure through years and years of tedious schooling by playing. Uh, various role playing video games and uh, watching movies like Indiana Jones, but that's for another time. Uh, back to the the story about the environmental activism and the trajectory that led up to this whole command Z thing. Uh, I got into the environmental activism, uh, which was mainly just a way to channel uh, my anger and resentment for uh, number one, the years of schooling that I felt forced into, and there was really no option I could see outside of that, so I mastered uh, the schooling thing. I was able to to get all the grades, uh, get A's and everything, and do really well uh, at school, but I was never really happy or satisfied with it. Now, it's another interesting point to keep in mind is uh, you can be really good at what you do, and yet uh, it may not be deeply satisfying to you. Uh, that can be a troublesome combination because when you're really good at something, you're going to get Validated and reinforced by everyone around you, uh, and you'll feel pushed to continue doing it. And you may think this is the only thing I'm good at, so I better just stick with this. Even though maybe you want to be a painter instead of an accountant, or maybe you'd like to uh, be a traveling musician, uh, you know, instead of uh, an auditor or something uh, of that nature. Okay, so that's something to keep in mind. Just because you're you're good at something, um, that society or your peer group uh, your fellow coworkers want you to be good at doesn't mean that that's what you should stick with for your whole life. Okay, so what we're talking about here is a, a pretty profound switch from externally focused goals and pursuits to internally satisfying experiences of your life, which don't necessarily require you to be consistent in your wants uh, and in your pursuits throughout your whole life. They can change and you can allow yourself to change and flow with them okay but that in the beginning does take a little bit of a pressure we've talked about that before uh, especially during the intensives Uh, the concept of escape velocity which means the momentum you need to get out of your current orbit and your current orbit is your way uh, your habitual way of reacting and uh, behaving in your life and stick, doing things that feel familiar to you, whether or not they're actually serving your your highest ends or your uh, deeply satisfying urges. Okay, so so w- what undoing and what the command Z work does for you is start to reveal to you both what would be deeply satisfying to you in each moment, and then also what is intolerable to you. And by intolerable I mean at first it seems like an itch or a sense of, oh, I I don't really like doing this. Uh, But the more you get in touch with yourself, some of those things that you don't really like doing will suddenly become intolerable, meaning you won't be able to do them anymore. The volume on the, the, the noise level of intolerance for things that you don't like to be doing will become so overbearing that you'll be forced to do something else, which is ultimately a good thing, even though it feels sort of terrifying at the time. Uh, But there are some safeguards built into the system uh, where you can, when you create a vacuum, something more satisfying, hopefully, will step in to fill that vacuum. As long as you keep on breaking apart your tensions and not believing all the lies uh, that your mind uh, and that people around you and that society want to tell you. Okay, so so back to the story. Uh, we got into the environmental activism. That's where I left off. Uh, yeah. And I pushed into that for a while. And again, I saw that that was something where you could, I could spend my life doing that. I could, I could make that a pursuit. I could find a job in that field, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or create a business even in that field. And yet something didn't seem right to me about it. I wanted to protect the, the earth, the so-called uh, de- defend the earth, save the earth, that whole impulse. Um, I wasn't exactly sure why, but there was a lot of ideas about um, how to go about that. And Basically, what I had done was to externalize all the resistance uh, that I felt inside me uh, to fit in and all the pressures to fit in and all those kinds of things, to externalize that into a fight that I could see and that I could participate in. So I was able to express my aggression and anger toward people that I felt were destroying the planet. who uh, were somehow harming me and harming everyone else. Uh, that quickly changed into anarchism, which was, okay, now we need to, to get rid of civilization. We need to fight the state, you know, fight the man, stop all this slavery and torture and human trafficking, and you know, just a long, long list, which, you know, the longer you look into it, the more expansive that black hole of doom becomes. Uh, And I was convinced that at any moment everything was going to end, civilization was going to end, we were going to have to start fending for ourselves, and I sort of idealized this return to the source, or this return to a primitive way of life where we live in the woods, uh, take care of each other, uh, live very simply, and basically just a desire uh, to get away from what is uh, into an imaginary sort of Garden of Eden state, um, I've since come to understand that urge uh, more as an individual urge uh, that's an interpreted in a collective way, uh, but an individual urge to return back to the state of childhood where you had parents, which would be like God's, uh, paying the rent, taking care of everything, and you could just kind of wander around and do whatever you want. Even if God punished you, uh, you still were being taken care of at the same time. So right. so now I understand that as an individual uh, urge to return to childhood. Uh, which. Sir? Go ahead. At the
1: time, how did you become uh, dissatisfied with, with the anarchist stuff? Is it the same story uh, as, as the punk, punk rock scene? Did you kind of reach the limits of it in the same way?
0: Yeah, basically in the same way. But things had gotten... I had externalized all these pro- internal processes to the point of... Uh, to the most extreme point that I could, uh, where it felt... It felt at some point like a losing battle. Okay, so let's just take a look at it functionally in a, in a physical sense. You have a single individual—that would be me—at that point wanting to fight these gigantic forces that were completely outside of my control, and those forces have the world's militaries and every type of weaponry and vehicle you could imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just an absurd battle that the only <laughs> option was to come to lose and to lose very, very badly, yeah. and. And even winning that battle was another way of losing because all the things that I and everyone I care about uh, rely on for our lives would also disappear. Uh, So ultimately, it was a completely losing battle no matter what way you looked at it. Now, at the same time, I'm very grateful for that time because my sense of adventure uh, was able to play itself out. Was able, I was able to experience and, and thrive on my sense of adventure in this battle, this imaginary battle against the so-called state. Uh, so I, I would travel around and take part in protests and, and had a lot of fun doing that. Although I was very angry and upset and depressed uh, a lot of that time as well because of that overwhelming sense of despair at, at the losing nature of that battle. And at some point it became, it started to become clear to me that all the roles that I saw other people playing and that I was putting down, at that point my idea of waking up or becoming more aware uh, was to become aware that you were trapped in this giant system and that everyone, uh, uh, that all these society, societies and forces and governments were against you and conspiring to keep you down. And, and uh, waking up was to become aware of that, to become aware of all the doom. Uh, and I don't know how many people I spread that idea to uh, at that time. So, so at some point I became aware that my ideas as a so-called anarchist were just as determined by external forces as anyone else's ideas, as the police officer who I pretended to hate, mm-hmm. uh, and so on. So it was, it was, it became obvious to me that taking a side in that battle at all was, was already something that was predetermined by forces outside of my control it wasn't something that I had chosen for myself uh, or that I actually uh, knew to be true for me it was uh, in essence just a way of my own internal processes externalizing themselves so I could see what was going on Uh, at that moment when I realized that that was a completely losing battle I still held out hope that it was possible to fight these external forces and at that point i turned to uh the occult uh magic various new age concepts uh which i found out that most of the new age concepts come from uh various occult sources okay we, we don't have to get into the details of that but a lot of it you can trace back to the work of john d and edward kelly uh you know the british um magicians who were the uh, one was the astrologer to the queen of england at the time uh so you had those characters and and they did this um, so-called angelic magic, which then you can trace a lot of, uh, you know, the work of Aleister Crowley, the Golden Dawn, all these different occult groups you may or may not have heard of. Uh, these groups of that promote, supposedly promote awakening, becoming more aware, or what you call enlightenment, um, by way of of magic, by way of of attempting to cause changes to occur in the world in line with your will. Uh, so that became very fascinating to me, all of those things. I joined the, the Freemasons, I joined the, um, the OTO, which was Aleister Crowley's uh,
1: magical group. So you joined these, these groups and became interested in magic originally as a way to battle these external forces that you'd been introduced to through anarchism? Yes,
0: yes. Uh, there was also just a profound curiosity uh, in me about those subjects as well, but at, but uh, and I'd always been a big reader and uh, explorer on some level, uh, which again I relate back to Indiana Jones and then just a lot of time spent out in the woods. Uh, but yeah, I thought that well, if we've been defeated uh, as people on this external realm with all the weaponry and the entire uh, you know global military forces uh, right. against us, so to speak then maybe on some other plane, on this internal plane, there was a way to deal with those forces. Now, I was correct on some level, but I still hadn't understood the nature of the battle. And so I started to pursue uh, magic. I read Peter Carroll, uh, Phil Hine, all this chaos magic stuff. Uh, And I also started reading Robert Anton Wilson, uh, which eventually then led me to reading uh, some books by Dr. Christopher Hyatt. Uh, who would become uh, very influential uh, in this process. Uh, but still, I read some of his early books on magic, which he later, uh, in my opinion, in my experience of the man, he later disowned some of, uh, at least he, he stopped encouraging people to do the magic and the things he used to write about, uh, I think simply because of the way that most people would go about those, which is, again, very... Fantasy-based mindset of gaining power, uh, gaining dominance over over the forces in your life uh, that you really that you really feel are out of your control. Um, and that point can, if you just look, uh, if you just look at the lives of most of the people that well, if I look at the lives of most people I've met who are involved in magic, what I see is people with a filthy house, uh, <laughs> people who, are, who aren't even managing the and controlling the things that are in their control in their lives. And then they're trying to gain some supreme uh, control with uh, very complicated magical rituals uh, and actions and behaviors when, like I said, they're not even taking control of the basic facts of their existence. Uh, They're not eating well. They're not taking care of their space, uh, not taking care of their their own body, that kind of thing. So I saw, again, just a massive conflict between what I was – proposing to do, and then what I was actually doing in my life. Uh, but somehow those occult groups make it possible, and those occult beliefs make it possible to pretend that you're getting somewhere. So you take some initiations, and you move up in the degrees in these organizations, and somehow you feel like you're, you're gaining power, and you're better than everyone else who's, who's just the, uh, the mundane proles out there wandering around without uh, becoming enlightened with all this occult knowledge. Uh, but again, I saw that most people were involved in these things to just be validated by a group. Uh, and, uh, but we did, you know, I, I had a nice group of people that I worked with on some specific things um, that were very useful, one of which was Robert Anton Wilson's uh, Quantum Psychology You Have to Do It with a Group. And what I noticed there is I had read the book on my own first, and I really thought I understood what the exercises were. And I did some of them, I did what I could do on my own. Uh, in terms of those exercises, and I thought I had a pretty good grasp of what he was saying. But then when we did those with a group, and you meet for 23 weeks uh, in a row to do that book, it takes kind of a massive effort to get a group of people to go through that. Uh, But I would recommend anyone still, I think that book holds uh, some useful experiments and experiences, uh, if you can manage to get a group together to do it. But doing that particular book, I saw that my interpretations were wildly different than the actual experience of what those exercises uh, did in practice. So that was one of the first times I noticed that my interpretations about things and my ideas uh, and understandings about things were very different when I they were put to the test, uh, when I actually started experiencing them. Okay, so... Uh, the only other time that really happened, uh, and one other profound moment I should mention that that happened between um, the anarchist thing and the the uh, occult study was uh, hitchhiking, hitchhiking all over the country. Uh, that gave me a deep sense of, of myself and relying on myself and flowing through situations that many people would find extremely dangerous and extremely scary and never having any trouble at all. I never had any trouble. I never got stranded anywhere. I always kept up high spirits, even in the most intense uh, and and depressing of scenarios. Uh, and somehow, uh, I was able to pull through those experiences uh, very easily. And I remember a guy in my high school had left high school. He was a good friend of mine. He left high school and hitchhiked down to Key West, Florida, and sold incense for some guy named Doctor Frankincense, uh, mm-hmm. or so he said. And then he showed back up um, and knocked on my door one day uh, about six months later, and he told me about all his experiences. Uh, And he was completely smelling of patchouli and frankincense, I still remember. (laughs) And uh, when he came back, I recall that he told me about hitchhiking and asked me if I would hitchhike with him down to Key West. And I was like, well, I can't just quit high school and and go with you down to Key West. You know, I don't don't even know what's going to happen with that. So uh, I probably could have, but I didn't finished high school, uh, went to college and whatnot. But that story really influenced my life, so much so that I knew that hitchhiking was possible uh, and that it was okay. Uh, Whereas if he hadn't have told me that, I may never have believed it or or never even thought of it as a possibility. So then I knew that it was possible. I remember being absolutely terrified uh, to the point of crying and wishing I had a phone or some way to call my friend back who dropped me off at the truck stop to tell them I didn't want to go on the trip the first time I did it. And then finally, after a couple hours of that, broke through it and got myself to get out on the highway and got uh, rides. And actually remarkably made it very quickly, I think two full days, uh, it took me to get from Minneapolis to um, Eugene, Oregon, so about half the length of the country. Uh, And that really changed my mindset about what was possible. Because I left with, uh, I think I had $200 total, Uh, in my pocket. And I traveled out to Eugene, uh, got some work working on a newspaper uh, that I enjoyed at the time. And then just, you know, here I am today, but hitchhiked around a lot in there and had a lot of crazy experiences. And then uh, flashback to the, to the, uh, the magical stage of things that crumbled pretty quickly, even though I got into the study uh, really deeply and like I said, reading uh, books and having ideas about what these experiences were was very, very different from the actual experience, okay? Mm-hmm. So having these magical ideas about rituals and all these lights and angels and forces and gods and goddesses and, and uh, demons and whatnot, all these stories, was very different from being in a, you know, a basement, uh rented basement lodge and... Uh, participating with people, reading rituals off of a script and, you know, just, just not even, just really forcing myself to believe it, uh, throughout that time. And always wondering like, when is this going to be real? When is this going to have some effect? <laughs> uh, but then doing the things we were doing on the side, like doing the quantum psychology, that really blew my mind. I realized at that point I had no idea, uh, what was going on with most of the things I thought I understood previously. And that includes subjects I studied at school uh, you know, I studied religions and things like that. And then I realized I'd have to try stuff out to actually know what was going on rather than just read about it and guess that I knew what was going on. Um, so so the quantum psychology was a big milestone. And then after that, there was a, a particular thing uh, by Phil Hine called Group Workings in Ego Magic, which you can still find online. It's tailored to people who have a background in what's called chaos magic which I'm not going to get into here, but it's tailored toward people with a background in that or an interest in that. But I found uh, I could tailor it to any group, really, uh, just by changing a little bit of the wording. So we did that. I did that with a group of, of uh, five other people. And I recall that we had to attempt it, I think, three or four times before we actually got through the whole thing. We got stalled for some reason, uh, just bizarre experiences each time we attempted to do it. But it was the most mundane-seeming and basic type of exercises. Just uh, And some, I think I included one or two of those in the intensives, actually. One was the uh, the obituary exercise, uh, yeah. writing your own obituary. Uh, it was one of the first ones. Also, you know, walking around and, and saying bragging about yourself to everybody in the room. Uh, and then walking around and saying something disparaging about yourself to everyone in the room. And started with exercises like that. And then built up over... I think it was four weeks it was supposed to go, but we decided since it had taken us so long to attempt to do it that once we felt the momentum, we did it every night until it was done. Uh, So this was four nights of this profound working, uh, group workings and ego magic. And uh, by the end of it, what you do is you'd write out um, on a grid everyone's name and then your name next to theirs, and you'd write out on this grid, uh, one thing that you think the person, uh, you want to see the person do more of, one thing you'd let you enjoy about them, you'd like to see them uh, do more of, one thing that you think they're doing well at and should keep going with, and then one thing you don't like about them at all. Okay, and uh, And the other three days kind of set you up to be able to do that. And then you have to sit down privately with each person and tell them what's on the list and listen to their list for you. Uh, this reduced some people in the group to tears. I know all of us were terrified of it. And uh, interestingly enough, I had more fear and trembling from that exercise than I did from all the other uh, supposedly magical workings that we were uh, trying to do with that group and with other groups. Uh, so it was so it was utterly terrifying to go through the ego magic simply because it was actually crumbling away most of my beliefs and ideas about the occult in general. Uh, and then I saw where the real... I was exposed to where the real power uh, and influence was, which was interpersonal communications and then my own ideas about myself being challenged. So I would say that's the moment, really, when the foundations I thought I had underneath me, which uh, I was using to explore magic and mysticism and the occult and Freemasonry, started to crumble. Uh, at that point, I also discovered um, some books by, some further books by Dr. Hyatt, one of which was Undoing Yourself uh, with Energized Meditations and Other Devices. Uh, and that's when I started doing more and more body work. Uh, before that, I had also studied yoga uh, with Norman Allen in Hawaii, randomly found him in a, in a phone book. And you can see uh, some of his, he has kind of a radical philosophy. You'll understand how I fit in with him pretty well. If you see the movie um, Enlighten Up, You'll see Norman in that film. I was surprised when I watched the movie to see him. I didn't realize he was such a big character in that world uh, until seeing that film. Uh, But great guy, and I learned a lot from him. Although I did not continue with the the yoga study for that many years after that. Uh, That was one of the aspects of the mysticism uh, and occult that I got into after anarchism. So, uh, you know, long story short, going through all those experiences led up to finally doing uh, some of this
1: undoing body work. So what was it like the first time you did some of the body work?
0: Well, it took a long time because I went really slowly with it. But I did discover pretty quickly the the connection between uh, physical tension and thoughts. I guess Mm -hmm. that's the first place everyone should start is do a little experiment where you lay down and just notice you know, for 15 minutes what's going on in your mind and what's going on in your body. And then you think happy thoughts and see what happens with your body, think angry thoughts, see what happens with your body, uh, sad thoughts, and so on. And then from there, you can start to understand how and why doing specific exercises with your body will correlate with uh, essentially the breaking apart of different conflicts uh, and issues in your mind. Okay, so there's a correlation there that you'd have to understand physically and experience physically to then create the motivation to continue doing the body work and knowing that it's having an effect on your life. So I did those experiments. Uh, For every day, I would do the face stretching. I would do pulling my shoulders up uh, and various other exercises. And I practiced a lot of uh, exercises in the mirror. Uh, At that same time, I was doing a lot of rock climbing, uh, doing some running, mountaineering, um, finishing up a degree at the university, and then tons of meditation and all kinds of other practices, uh, working out getting more in touch with my body. So at the time, I didn't notice a correlation between the, the massive amount of, of uh, exercise and experiences I was having in my life and doing that undoing work. But now looking back, uh, as soon as I had gotten more and more involved with the undoing work, my life expanded in many, many different ways. All of my friend groups fell away and changed into new groups of people. I was less adherent to... Uh, the unspoken rules and the social agreements uh, with the various groups I was a part of. I started learning what I could learn from them and then dropping uh, various experiences and commitments I had that weren't serving me anymore. Now, this was all automatic. This was all automatically occurring in relation to me doing a lot of the bodywork type stuff. So uh, after that, I knew that that was something I wanted to pursue uh, and I kept in contact with Dr. Hyatt. I had emailed him. Uh, there's a funny story. I guess it's okay to tell this now since he's dead. Uh, <laughs> but one of the first times I ever wrote him, they uh, would Falcon Publishers, it was a new Falcon at the time. Now it's uh, the legacies passed to what's called original Falcon. Uh, but at the time I had written to Hyatt because there was a, a Complete Golden Dawn System of Magic uh, book available. There are 20 copies remaining uh, of this uh, limited edition uh, hardcover volume. And they were all slightly damaged copies. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I had written in uh, one person who bought uh, one of the 20. It was going to be in a there's going to be a drawing and one person who bought one of the 20 was going to be chosen to receive the deluxe leather bound limited edition copy signed by uh, Dr. Hyatt. And so I just wrote him an email and said, uh, I said, hey, just give me that one. No one's going to know the difference. Uh, And then he wrote back and said, well, I can't do that. I would be accused of the worst crime in the new age turnip garden, that of unfairness. (laughs) And sure enough, two weeks later, uh, the deluxe limited edition leather bound copy arrived at my doorstep. (laughs) And I was just blown away. And that was one of the most important lessons I ever learned from him after that uh, was always ask for what you want. Uh, Things don't always work the way that they seem to work. Okay, so as far as I can tell, unless I was very lucky and won that drawing, uh, I may have been the only person who wrote (laughs) in and just directly asked for the damn thing. Uh, Now, how much I learned from that book, really, uh, what I learned from that book is a lot less than what I learned from that experience.
1: (laughs) Right.
0: But, but, uh, and I've since... You know, moved on from most of those books, those types of books for sure. Uh, but that was a wonderful experience. And from there, um, I really enjoyed uh, the interaction with him. So when I saw that he was releasing a DVD set um, and releasing these, these undoing exercises in more detail, I was just blown away. So I immediately sent in, I think, 300 bucks or something just said, Hey, send these DVDs to me as they come out. I, I'm completely convinced. I want to do this stuff. Uh, and I did uh, my own undoing sessions on myself for a while, and the first time I ever did a full lay-down session, and that's something you can get through uh, Command-Z, something you get uh, during the intensives, you end up having four sessions plus uh, four guided sessions plus four audios to do four more sessions. So that's a, that's a really interesting way to dive in, and, in a way that I wish I had found um, all those many years ago, uh, but... I'm grateful for all the experience that led me up to here. Uh, but doing that first session, the, the only thing I can say about it is that before laying down and doing that hour or hour and a half of breathing and movement, which sounds innocuous, uh, before doing that, I think all I had was an idea of a body, that I had an idea that there was a body going on uh, in my life. And after that experience, I, was, I felt like, oh my God, I have a body. <laughs> oh, my what is this thing? Suddenly, uh, my awareness was expanded in such a profound way that all the things I had formerly been upset about, all the things I had formerly desired so much in my life, I realized that that was about 5% of me. That was such a tiny, tiny amount of who and what I really was. Uh, but I, I had mistaken all those ideas about myself and my complaints and my fears. Uh, I had mistaken those as my whole self. I'd become convinced that my ideas about who I was and about uh, what I was lacking uh, were all there was to my life. So in one uh, you know, brief hour and a half experience uh, that left me trembling and so filled with this sense of buzzing and shaking and vibrating, uh, literally vibrating in my hands and face and body, uh, so much so that my journal entry was just complete scribbles. I was holding the pen in my <laughs> fist trying to write. I thought I might be having a heart attack uh, simply because I didn't have any framework to understand what was going on. No amount of ideas could explain to me what was happening in my body. Mm -hmm. And so after that experience, everything else in my life changed. My body was a presence in every situation. It was something I could listen to. It was something that would tell me what was going on for other people. It would tell me if I was being lied to or manipulated Or forced into something I didn't want to be forced into. And I was also able to tell when my own mind was trying to manipulate me into doing things I didn't want to do. So it somehow, in that one experience, shifted my center of gravity, if you will, uh, from a place of ideas and speculations into a foundation of certainty and groundedness uh, in my body that I could trust and that I've been able to trust ever since then. Uh, so that was, that was where everything came collapsing down. It took a little while to clean up the mess in my life, of course. You know, dropping out of these groups, uh, it was difficult to let go of certain groups of friends. But at a certain moment, I realized uh, most of the things in my life that I had been doing up to that point weren't really serving me anymore and were not at all satisfying. Uh, so at that point, it became necessary to do something else. And I guess that leads us up to, to Command Z. The way that all came about uh, was that I was attempting to put on workshops just to share this profound body experience with other people uh, and to and to get experience for myself. So I did end up going to meet Dr. Hyatt and working with him, uh, receiving sessions from him, and actually being a part of those DVDs that I mentioned. So you'll see me in some of those. Uh, some of you guys are listening to this have already seen that. Um, the guy called Jack Wilde. Uh, in those, uh, which was an apt name at that time, uh, Jack Wild in those DVDs. But you'll see a younger, uh, more naive uh, version of me in those in those videos, just learning and working on this stuff. Uh, and then I remember, at a certain point, uh, when Doctor Hyatt died, I felt—I uh, don't want to say abandoned, but I felt really lost and confused. Uh, As to what to do next, I I had a huge amount of experience, you know, hundreds of sessions I'd given myself, uh, and I trained other people just enough to be able to give me sessions. And I'd given uh, probably about 100 or 200 sessions to other people, all for free at that point, just to gain experience. And i have been to Dr. Hyatt's workshops uh, and stayed in communication with him uh, while I just kept persisting asking questions and learning more and more about all that different work um which included you know the work in and just the solo work and then work with partners and whatnot. And then another guy, um, who you guys know from some of the old videos and some of the old courses, Riley, uh Riley Holland got in touch with me. Uh he was another person who'd been working through the undoing just through the books. And then uh he and I, long story short, he and I met up and uh he happened to live in a town only about two hours away from where I was living at the time. And uh we started working together on sessions, and within about a month or two of that, we had built up so much momentum that I just moved up to, uh, up to Portland, where he was living at the time as well. And we started working on the undoing as much as we could. Uh, every Sunday was undoing day. Uh, we had another friend as well um, who worked with us on those days, and we just spent the entire day doing undoing and exploring the concepts and, uh, and body work in as much detail uh, and depth as we could. Uh, and that went on for quite some time. And then uh, at some point, we decided to go ahead and, uh, and try to start a business out of it.
1: But I'll let you uh, – what, what were you about to say there? I wanted to ask, what was the, what, the difference for you in working with two other people on the body work versus doing it by yourself from the books or the DVDs?
0: Oh, well, to go back to the first time of meeting Dr. Hyatt and going to a workshop – Based on the undoing work, what was really fascinating about that, uh, what I saw again was I expected everyone who was there to have d- done at least uh, you know one full session, and by a full session I mean you do some warm ups, you know face stretching, shoulders, all that kind of stuff, um, flopping over various warm up exercises. Then you lay down and you end up doing some breathing and coordinated body movements, um, which can be anywhere from really passive to really um, extremely aggressive. Uh, punching the bed and so on, uh, expressing things that you haven't expressed maybe ever uh, for about an hour. And then at the end, um, doing what we call sense and feel, saying out loud everything you sense and feel that's going on in your body and learning not to interpret things, but to become aware of what's actually going on as opposed to your ideas about them. So that's a full session. Uh, I think only one other person out of the 15 or 16 who were there had actually done that uh, on his own. So he and I, were just absolutely floored and fascinated uh, by what we learned during that work sh- that first workshop. Uh, and I was fascinated also that that most folks there had not done any of the bodywork. and I don't know to this day if, if any of them pursued it anymore after that. Um, I stayed in touch with a couple of them for a while. Uh, but all of us got an experience of the bodywork there, a guided experience, rather than just doing it on our own. And just going through... That twenty or thirty minutes of that first session of Dr. Hyatt guiding me through the exercises, I suddenly became aware of something on a much much deeper level than I ever could have alone. Uh, I was able to let go rather than controlling the session with my ideas and my my script, uh, <laughs> my scripted exercises. I was I was able to let go and do the breathing and relax more deeply into my own uh, my own body and my own skin. Uh, so the difference between working alone and working with another person, I guess is that, is that you can finally let go, let go of control and just focus on what's going on with your body and your breathing. Now that doesn't sound like much, but it's actually really profound and it's something if you think about it, you probably don't do very often. You know, Mm -hmm. even if you exercise, even if you spend time relaxing, it's usually with a different focus than your own body and your own breathing and your own sensations. So you can imagine if you start to expand that awareness into five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, two hours uh, that you're going to experience something radically different than what you're normally doing in your life
1: yeah yeah, it's very different to being guided is it's, i mean it's it's not about somebody picking exercises for you when you're guiding me in sessions I almost almost I almost always know what you're about to say for the next exercise, almost always, but it's the, it's the letting go. Because when you're doing, in in an undoing session, you're kind of vulnerable. Like the the body is vulnerable through the breathing and the position and so on. And to let go and be directed is kind of pushes it a bit further, I guess. Yeah, someone had
0: mentioned the other day, um, another client had mentioned that uh, doing some of the exercises feels like the most vulnerable and the most in control um, that that client has ever felt. Mm. So at the same time as being, feeling extremely vulnerable, they also feel, you can also feel more in charge of yourself somehow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Str-
0: strangely enough. And we like to say that in the business businesses, uh, the, the more you pay attention, the less you have to do. And that applies to the body work itself and what's going on in your body, but it also applies to almost every other situation in your life. We're often doing way more than we need to do to get the results that we want. And usually doing things in the wrong direction because of not listening to the wisdom of our body uh, and our unconscious mind uh, and instead running around with ideas about what we're supposed to be doing. And that's one of the major issues that undoing deals with is exposes you to the vast chasm uh, between your ideas of how things are supposed to be, your expectations of how things are supposed to be versus what is actually going on in your direct observation. Okay, so once we bridge that gap, uh, everything in your life changes. The way you pursue what you want changes. The way you understand what you want changes. And instead of doing things to achieve goals that aren't your own, and fighting battles, and having beliefs, and taking sides on issues that ultimately you really don't give a shit about either way, that someone else has determined for you, you can start making decisions and... uh, having behaviors that support what it is you actually want in relation to your direct experience rather than your ideas about how things are supposed to be okay and those ideas obscure what's actually going on so by diving into the body you can break apart those ideas and break apart the tensions that keep those ideas in place and then from there it's it takes a lot less effort to actually find out what you want and then start to get more of that
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so one of the things too I, I wanted to cover during this is um, kind of the similarity and then the difference between you know I learned a lot from Doctor Hyatt. Uh, there are some similarities in the way that I practice, on doing, and what I learned from him. But there are, are also some differences. So now I've I've incorporated um, some of what I've learned from Alexander Lowen's work, uh, for example, the the way to vibrant health. There's some exercises in there um, that I've added into it. I've also studied the work of of uh, Dr. Jack Willis. He left a, a book behind before he died, um, which is a little more stoic, a little more um, uptight, I think. But his approach has some value, and uh, and his, some of his precautions are are valuable. Uh, and then Dr. Hyatt's approach was more wild, uh, more organic, which, uh, as you already know from this interview, goes was a lot more. Um, related to my way of doing things in my life. So, so I related a lot uh, and was inspired by Dr. Hyatt's approach of just dive in and then figure out from your errors uh, how you can get better, how you can improve yourself from there. You have to have some kind of experience of failure or error to know what you can improve upon. Without that experience, it's really hard to to, to make any changes because you're only going on guesswork. Uh, so I've, I've allowed all the different practitioners of this work influence me uh, but I do feel like I have my own take on it and uh, I have tried very hard to remove language and vocabulary that allows people a crutch that allows people to believe that external forces are uh, dominating their lives and uh, I've tried to remove any kind of psychological definitions uh, and interpretations of the work uh, any occult uh, or mystical definitions or terminology in relation to the undoing work, uh, and then made it, I've tried to make it just about you and your direct experience uh, of your body. Uh, and then I've also added things like uh, my sense of adventure. you know, like I said, I grew up on on Indiana Jones, and so I try to put that sense of adventure in there. So I add things from my own experience. Uh, and from all these other areas of my life where I, where I went on adventures. And I try to bring that sense of adventure into the work and allow you to discover what your adventure is and then start to live it. Now, that can start even by cleaning your windows in your house every day or starting to clean up uh, and organize your space. Uh, but with, with a really specific uh, twist, uh, as you know from the intensives, Andrew, Um, that, that when you start to examine just the basic facts of your daily life in a new way, everything starts to change. And you can see that you're on that grail quest already, just like Indiana Jones on the surface. He's just this archeology span professor teaching some drab and boring, you know, paperwork and, uh, lectures about archeology, span but under the surface, he's out swashbuckling and, and, uh, chasing around these, these religious artifacts all over the world and having grand adventures. Uh, and so that's a perfect metaphor, I think. Uh, but if you, can you speak to that at all in your experience
1: of, of Command Z? Yeah, definitely, especially with the intensives. Um, I, I mean, since, since working with you from the very beginning, daily life started to become more of an adventure for me. Um, and I became much more aware of what's preventing me from engaging in that adventure, um, and it that seems to increase.
0: <laughs> so, how did that process go for you? Because I know we've been working together, like I said, for for um, two or three years now, and on and off from time to time, uh, which then led up to the most recent uh, most recent experience of the four week. Uh, radical on doing intensives, so how was that you know if you want to just give a sort of a sweeping uh, sweeping depiction of of that your your experience of that process just so people can can know what to what to expect and know whether or not this is the right uh,
1: process the right work for them well it's 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 quite difficult to put that clearly in words for me because it's um I mean, by engaging in the undoing process, there are all sorts of new influences that kind of uh, act upon your life through doing these exercises. And some of them are more subtle but persistent. And then there are others that involve facing particular fears and making particular actions. Um, But I actually have come to think that it's the persistent, subtle influences that seem to have the the biggest kind of long term effect, like simply doing the breathing and moving the body around. Um, Everything shifts every session. (laughs) After every session, um, it's like getting to know my body for the first time again Um, and being freed up to uh, to just have a life and act within it, I guess. Go ahead. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, it it, it, I've always had some difficulty putting these experiences into words. Uh, But what I will say is that the undoing work and everything that I offer through Command Z tends to give you a more direct experience of yourself and your body as it is. Uh, and subverts it subverts the sense of guilt or shame uh, that you might have about yourself from your upbringing or from not living up to the roles that you're supposed to live up to uh, role now roles I mean from the most basic roles of you be a man or be a be more ladylike all the way to really specific roles of of a worker or uh, act your age you know all these different dictates that come down from outside about how and what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, The thing that you can start to realize with uh, doing the command Z work is that all the people around you who are telling you to do those things actually have no more clue than you do about what's really going on in life. Mm -hmm. And once you start to realize that and face the horrifying facts that all the people you've been counting on to tell you what's going on in your life have no more idea than you do, and in fact have less of an idea than you do about yourself. Uh, Once you face that fact, then the real adventure starts, uh, because you'll start to realize you don't really have any idea what's going to happen in the future, and that is the definition of adventure, is you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the outcome will be. And if you're honest with yourself about your life, you'll realize that you never know what the outcome of each day or what each action will be. Of course, you can try to predict some of that uh, with relative amounts of certainty, but never 100% certainty. So once you come face to face with that, then everything is different in your life.
1: Yeah. The the unpredictability of life used to terrify me. And I guess sometimes it still does in certain situations, but it's also I have uh a tool set for moving through that that's completely natural just by paying attention and uh using some of these exercises but it's more of an adventure now I, um, it's kind of uh, i I'm, I'm delighted when something comes up that I'm terrified of even though I may still be terrified yes um, I, I mean the main thing. The thing that seems most significant to me that I've gained from from this work is just an a kind of a, a an awareness of what I'm drawn to and kind of repelled what repels me. And I'm much more likely to actually make a movement to and away those things.
0: Yeah, and I, I I agree. I agree. That is one of the things we can communicate easily about undoing is that it's going to make it harder to do the things that are not what you really want to do and not deeply satisfying to you and then it makes it easier and sometimes almost effortless to flow into the the situations that are going to be deeply satisfying to you and you'll know you'll have your body as a gauge Uh, And the amount of tension level and resistance you have as a gauge for whether or not you should continue uh, down a particular path um, of behavior and experience. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Whereas if you're trying to figure that out just with your uh, ideas and in your mind, uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult. And you'll never know, um, really, if if something's right for you or not. If you're only relying on your ideas and beliefs about how things should be.
1: Right. the, The body work helps to get past some of the fantasizing about what's going on. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I think that we've gone a
0: little bit or even a lot over uh, what my original intention was for this uh, interview, but that's how things go. And that's kind of what we've been talking about. Um, But I will say uh, there's going to be And you'll find links to this on the website um, near where you found this recording. Uh, But there will be archives of the old podcast, uh, as well as, uh, at the time of this recording, a new podcast that's going to start soon. So you'll be hearing more from myself and then hopefully Andrew uh, in the near future. Uh, But I hope this gives you guys some good background and at least a little bit of a taste of what's in store for you. Uh, if we decide to work together uh, and if you decide to dive into some of this command Z and radical undoing work. As you might have noticed from the interview the path to a better life is very different than what you might have been told. Real happiness and satisfaction can only come from doing what you really want to do. But we grow up in a world that's so full of other ideas, so full of complexity, that we lose sight of what it is that we really want. Even worse we get conditioned by fear and anxiety to keep us from doing it. So it's no wonder most people lead lives of minimal satisfaction, or as Henry David Thoreau puts it, lives of quiet desperation. But this does not have to be the case. Command Z offers a set of techniques for undoing the conditioning that keeps you from living the life you truly want. And as you apply the techniques, you'll notice three significant results. Number one, you'll become more aware of what you authentically want and what you don't. And you'll love the deep feeling of gratitude that comes with just knowing this. Two, it'll become easier, and sometimes even effortless, to do the things you really want to do. Because undoing melts away the fears and the anxieties and the tensions that are currently holding you back. And then number three, it'll get unbearable for you to keep doing the things you don't authentically want. Which is ultimately a good thing. Because it means you'll free up all the time and hard work you're currently doing to force yourself to do things you hate. And then you'll create the space to finally live the life that you want. And you'll be less likely to fall back into a life that you already know will never truly satisfy you. This transition into a new way of life is available to anyone. The life that passes as normal in our world isn't your natural state. It's an artificial state brought on by the way that we're raised and the way that we are taught to think. It's not a life anyone chooses, just one that we're simply born into. And all of the stress, anxiety, and struggling we go through isn't just a part of life, like we're told. In fact, it's a byproduct of that so-called normal state. And you can choose to leave that behind in favor of a life that you truly want. If you're ready to get started right now, Sign up for the free course on the right side of this page. Just put in your email, click the button, and you're all good. You'll get the first exercise right away, and new ones over the next few days. The movements are simple, sometimes even a little silly, but don't let that fool you. You're going to notice some interesting results right off the bat. If you're at all curious about discovering a better life, one where you wake up each day genuinely glad to be alive and excited for the day ahead of you, Sign up right now, before you let another few years drift by without getting what it is you really want.